Hello, everyone. This is Brian with Good Dog Workshop. Again, we're your podcast resource for successfully working with your dog. We'll help you sift through all the wrong and ridiculous information out there. We'll help you understand dogs and how to effectively work with a dog's nature, not against it. In short, we'll teach you how to speak dog. So tonight, my special guest is my good buddy, Josh, who's been working for me for a number of years. How are you doing, Josh? I'm good, man. I'm, I'm uh, very excited to be here and uh, add any additional input that, that I can... Cool, I appreciate that. So, uh, what are we talking about tonight? Well, it looks like we're going to be hitting on some um, volunteer practices, uh, you know, some experiences that you and I both had, and uh, some similarities and some differences, and what to look for, uh, how you can kind of volunteer your time, I guess, in certain different certain ways as far as time, money, and or supplies. Okay, cool. Sounds good. So. Um, the main focus for me is the Falkir SPCA, which we've both been to so many times, I uh, can't even count, just because I like them so much. They've got a great setup. It's out in the country. They've got a number of acres and some paddocks, and really, really pleased that uh, the Devin Settle is the, is the director there, and she has been for a number of years. Um, and you and I have been down there recently to to evaluate um, a, a dog or two. Um, so, you know, I like I like this place because it feels good when you're down there. It feels like a family that doesn't feel political. So when you go there to volunteer, it's a very welcoming place versus other places that I've been to, sometimes it feels like the, the employees there are just waiting for the next smoke break or, um, you know, you can tell there's tension there or it's really noisy there because the energy of the people is lousy and the dogs are picking up on that. So sometimes back in the kennels, it's just loud as hell. So those are those are my impressions of, uh, of the Falkir SPCA. How about you? Yeah, I, I totally agree. And I would think, it, um, you know, in comparison to, to others that we've been, um, I would think the political nature really reflects, uh, well, the leadership reflects the, the, in the dog behaviors or as they correlate. Um, and like you said, you know, working with um, shelters in the North Virginia area com- in comparison to the Falkir, um, it's definitely something that you can see how involved the staff is, how dedicated they yeah. are, uh, and how naturally not only do they approach the behavior with the dogs, but um, just their approach to, to, to welcoming, uh, you know, possible ad- adoptees. Yeah, and these, these people, you know, they wear many hats. You know, De- Devin, the director, on any given day when I'm down there for an hour or two, she's texting, she's answering the phone, she's talking to her animal control officers who are part of the deputies department. She's um, showing me a, a dog that she wants to evaluate, or she's hanging out with me while I'm evaluating the dog and learning, or she's helping someone uh, clean, a, clean a kennel or getting meds for, I mean, these people do so many different uh, different things. Now, some of the, some of the newer people are maybe you know just cleaning cages or just walking easier dogs but these people do so much work they're so dedicated so what are some of the ways that we want to tell our listeners that they can help uh help dogs or that they can do what they can do to volunteer to um to help some of these places Uh, i think the easiest resource uh the most um yeah, the easiest resource to get out there and, and is uh, to spend is your time, really. Uh, you know, these shelters are looking for uh, supplies and maybe possibly money for, for different supplies as well. But I think getting out there, uh, using your time wisely and just kind of getting to know the people, like you said, um, at the fuck here, I mean, it's so down to earth and just kind of getting to know them, um, what, you f- what you feel that the dog needs might be and it's what they're looking for in general as far as it could be, you know, walking the dogs. Um, if you're if you're cleaning the the paddocks out and or the uh, the kennels themselves, but I think just really exposing yourself to that culture, um, we kind of just introduce you to, to all different kinds of scenarios and in cases that really set you up for, both for success, really. 
And it's something where, where I always come away learning something, not just about the, the shelter itself and the, and the people there, but also the, the, the dogs as well. So for me, it's kind of continuing education um, in, in my chosen profession. Does that kind of feel feel the same for for you as well? That it's a, it's a constant learning experience. Yeah, no, I agree. I feel like the, the more that you can expose yourself to those situations and just become adaptable, um, you know, that, I always feel like that's one of the, the touch points I was thinking about in regards to um, d- adaptability. Really, um, just overcoming certain situations and, and exposing yourself. The more you that you expose yourself, the more that you're going to learn. Um, if you have a particular fear of something, I feel like that it's just a great place to get out there. Maybe you can work with other handlers that may feel more comfortable than you are. Yeah, good point. Um, and, and just kind of, you know, get, get the ball rolling, get comfortable with different scenarios. And I think, uh, yeah, I think definitely it's always adaptability and uh, a continuous learning. And so so as a, as a person who's never volunteered with uh, with a shelter like this or has never worked with dogs before, what, what kind of advice would would we give on, on how to start with something like this? I would say just be candid. I mean, let the people know your experience. Uh, maybe if you don't know what you're looking to do, just ask them the, what the what the shelter needs most, really, and just see where you can help out and just kind of grow from there. I think this um, treating this in anything other than like a you know a friendship, really, um, I think you know that would probably be the best the best bet for you to kind of just get in there, ask questions, look like I said, uh, you know, see what they're looking for, and just and just go from there. Oh, that's a great point. I hadn't thought about it like that. And and so some of the things that, that we can do specifically for a shelter or at a shelter, and, and like you said, you know, time is really the, the most important thing. And they'll, um, you know, they, they always need uh, need more money because dogs um, dogs always have health issues and, and they cost with the, uh, not just the medications, but the but the food and the cleaning products and everything. So you can go to Falkier, F-A-U-Q-U-I-E-R-S-P-C-A.com, click on their wish list, and you can see, you know, uh, canned cat food, non-clumping clay, you know, rawhide bones, um, slip leads, Clorox, milk, bone, all sorts of stuff that, that these people need. So you can donate items. But uh, the time and volunteering is, uh, is uh, I think, the most influential thing that each of us can can do. And that can be... Um, you know, as, as involved as uh, working with the, with the dogs, assessing a dog or, or walking a dog, and it can be as, as uninvolved or as, as hands-off as helping with phone calls, you know, helping them with paperwork because there's a ton of paperwork. Each dog has to have its folder and all its paperwork. Um, and then something in between, which is maybe doing a transport because the SPCA, this, this one, they drive down to, uh, to Tennessee regularly for, I think Devin calls it an end of end of life care center where there's in this one county in Tennessee, people, the locals go to drop off a dog that is sick or they don't want anymore or whatever. And this lady doesn't refuse a single dog regardless of their issue. So she's overwhelmed. Devin sends her, her staff down there to go load up. She, I think she said they put, was it 17 or 15 dogs on a Chevy Equinox (laughs) on the way up? Um, so you know, there's there's so many different things that uh, that you can you can do for for these shelters, and that's and that's just a few. Are there some that I missed, Josh, that you want to mention? No, actually, I, you, I feel like you brought up more than I was really thinking of. <laughs> okay. um, you know, in that aspect of it, like I said, for me, uh, I mean, I, I volunteered a lot of time, but I, I'm always trying to get hands on with the dogs. I want to see right. um, where their worst case scenarios are because I feel like that's that's my experience. I, I'm, I'm comfortable there, um, and so I just think the important thing is go with what you're comfortable and just and just grow from there, really. Um, and like you said, a- ask the questions, see where they need help, 
Yeah, I think I think that's a great point. Is is like you said earlier, is to be candid with with your your abilities, what you're what you're comfortable with doing, you know, and 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 also I think be honest with them about how much you want to get out of this and what you what you want to learn. So if you're there just to you know check a box on a on a college application, fine, go ahead and you know do that and say that because the the you're still providing them uh, them help. So Josh, what's what are some of your favorite things to do to to help the shelter with what do you what do you like doing the best and what do you get you know the most from yeah uh great question uh, personally um i like to do the more of a long-term approach i know i've been to the shelter kind of uh evaluating some certain dogs like i said that may have some trouble may, maybe the dogs show poorly um so i try to take them out maybe uh, for a, a short foster extent maybe for like a week or a weekend kind of get the dogs out get them exposure to, to my family my kids to see how they are um and and expose them to, to other people as well. It's like, hey, you know, let them let them know that these dogs are available for adoption. Um, but I think really getting them out and, and get, start starting that structure process to to get them uh, to improve their chances for adoption really is is the key goal for me. Okay, and and so that's something that you bring to the table that uh, that I don't is your family. You've got you've got three kids, and yeah. in addition to Tank, which is which is um, you know my my girlfriend's dog's uh, brother. Um, so what, what do you find when you bring a dog home, when you've got three kids there? Cause a lot of people would say, I'm not bringing a strange dog home around my three little kids. So how do you feel about that? Yeah. Uh, and number one is obviously safety. I mean, and that's for everything involved, uh, the, the dog and, and the children obviously included. So I typically I'll do, um, I'll take them to the shelter. I'll have them do a walk by, you know, I have my son, he's, he's six. Um, so I'll have him kind of stay away from the kennel and do, do all the, all the all the things that we usually go through, not making eye contact with the, eye contact with the dog, just kind of passively uh, passing and see if these dogs uh, how they might want to greet him if they move forward aggressively right. or if they kind of stay back in the in the uh, kennel itself. Um, so I, you really use that as a gauge, and I'll take him out in the paddock. I mean, it's almost like having your dog at the dog park for the first time. Oh sure. Um, so just to kind of assess that situation, and, and w- once I do get them home. Um, I'm just eyes on. I, I try to be very hands off initially, um, but just eyes on, always observing. Because I feel like if you're going to have a dog in your life, you, you, you're going to want to spend time with you, so you you want it to be around. And when it's time to make those corrections, I want to be there to do that. Um, and in saying that, I want my kids to be involved as well. I want them right. to see the proper way to do this. I want to see the the uh, the proper behavior that we're looking for, and then just kind of show them. And it's almost it's better practice for me too, as far as communication with the dog and the children, which is very closely related. Um, to show them the right steps and to get the, uh, you know, the behavior that we're looking for, essentially. Yeah. And I, and, and you know, I got to say, Josh, you, you've, you've heard me tell you this a hundred times is I, I love, I love your kids and you're probably one of the few people on this planet that I have and ever would say that to. Thank you. Um, but you've done a great job raising them and you've done a fantastic job raising them to be really dog savvy kids that, you know, there's no there's no concern when we're working with a dog around your kids because they really know what they're they're doing for such how how young is uh, is Veda? Veda's she's a year and a half now. Okay, so you've got really young kids there, and these kids know more than a lot of adults that I've seen working working with dogs. But I think the coolest thing is you've taught them to be confident with the dogs, and they're also really calm and confident and calm kids that's a that's a recipe for success with dogs so you know i just i love the fact that that you and your kids have this have this environment that really sets up these these dogs for for success yeah no i really i really appreciate that and i do i try to involve them in every aspect 
uh, like I said, and one of the most important things we do at the house, um, it's, it's a two-stage course, really, for, for the dogs for, and the children, um, is, is the feeding process. And we go through that, oh, ritual, right. we go through that ritual as far as uh, kind of go into claiming. Even with a year-and-a-half-year-old, um, we go from there. We, you know, she gets the food. We have tanks sit at a, a certain space uh, in, the, in the living room. And then we, you know, he's allowed in once we get all settled and, and make sure he's not, the kids aren't going to get run over because he still does get excited. But the whole idea there is that they know what behavior that they're looking for and w- allowing the dog to move forward, which uh, I, I'm I, honestly, I get surprised sometimes by the effectiveness that they have really. And I guess I think it goes back to uh, communicating with the dogs with no emotion because they don't really show anything except for maybe excitement. Yeah, yeah, and, and wow, that's 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 terrific. And so, kind of talking about that, what you've just um, what you've just discussed here, in my mind, is a ton of structure. And so, being having been in the Marines, you you know, using a lot of a lot of I think what you've learned from the Marines to raise Absolutely. your kids in a very structured fashion. You're doing that with the with the dogs too. So, so since I was never military, how how is it? different for you or how do you see things with with dogs and and dogs and kids and the shelter how does how does your military background um kind of make give you a different point of view on on working with dogs i think it's uh the probably the biggest aspect of it is perception um being able to read the situations um efficiently really you know uh, correctly and accurately um is huge and then just kind of you know you'll learn from experience how to react but you need to know what you're looking for and i feel like the sooner that you can recognize it the better off that you'll be um and and consistency is key really like i said before it's it's i i I treat my children the same way that i treat my dogs (laughs) um as far as the correct you know emotionless corrections and it just they always yield the best results so i just think um noticing when it's time to make those corrections uh for the dog and the kids is huge um as far as far as relating that to the shelter i think it it goes to um perceiving i guess the, the staff there and just kind of uh who may need more help with with certain dogs uh, or the dogs themselves who may need more help just really going through um, learning the signs what to look for and, and what they might need okay excellent and i gotta gotta say because there are a lot of people out there saying this guy treats his dogs the same way he treats his kids <laughs> the way do you see josh and his kids he yeah. is a fantastic dad his kids are so well behaved and dogs around josh are always well behaved. So that, you know, for for someone to say this, that's a big deal, and it, and it's true. It it really is a is a big deal. It's amazing to see. Now, um, I, I almost forgot that um, that Brindle uh, mix that you fostered for a long time from the shelter. Yep. What was her name? Mystic. Yeah. So yeah. so can you tell the listeners a little bit about that? Absolutely. She. I mean, she was a man. She was an amazing dog. She was beautiful. Uh, she had a Brindle, uh, Brindle coat. She had her little perky ears. Uh, half perked, um, and she was a boxer or mastiff mix or something. Uh, yeah, or something? I don't know. I think I think what they had originally said was she, she had uh, some shepherd, uh, maybe pit mix. But she was kind um, of a big dog, right? She, she, yeah, she was she was average size, maybe forty forty pounds. Um, but she was springy mostly. Oh, okay. Um, she showed terribly in the kennel, and that right. that was one of my first experiences as far as getting a dog out. Because um, you go there, and even with the kid, you know, this dog is intimidating. It's jumping, you know, maybe six feet in the air, almost to the point where it could jump out of the kennel, and she's got a really deep bark, um, and, you know, she just looked intimidating. Um, so, of course, I, like I said, I'm going to go worse first. I want to see what this dog has to offer, um, kind of take her out in the paddocks. And, I, I mean, I really fell in love with her. I think if we hadn't had so much on our plates at that time, we probably would have kept her, but... Um, 
getting her out, it was a, it was a world of difference, man. She was great with the kids. She was great with other dogs. I prob- I had her off leash probably the same day at the house uh, with, oh, wow. re- with really no concern. But it, it just goes back to um, learning what to recognize, you know, kind of when and where, and then ha- how to move forward with that, really. Oh, terrific. And my, my own personal experiences are with this, uh, this little snoring beagle near me, uh, Vivian. I went down um, to the shelter to November of 2017, and, and the director there, Devin, she said, uh, um, you know, could you maybe take a look at this dog? Because she came in, she was dumped off, and she had a big mammary tumor on her. Um, and I don't know if she's going to last through the week or whatever, but I'd like her to be in, be in a nice home where I know she's going to take, be taken care of. And I said, sure, you know, skinny little girl who know, and she's old too, who knows how long she's going to last. And that was what, 13, 14 months ago. Um, and I wasn't planning on adopting her. I wasn't looking for another dog, but she's turned out to be such a great assistant for me and a really nice little dog and, and easy to have. But what started off to, um, to be a, um, uh, you know, a, act of volunteering for the SPCA turned into, you know, a labor of love and now is a part of, of my family. So, you know, that's, that's one of the coolest benefits to doing something like this is, is you never know what you can get out of it besides the, the constant education, you know, learning about the people there, learning more about the, about the dogs, but, you know, being able to have added a family member to my house and, and to clear up a space in the, in the kennel there, that's a, that's a really rewarding thing for, for me to do. And, and I'd like to think that everyone who, who goes into this with, uh, with, with open, open eyes and an open heart, if you will, sees that there, you really can get a lot out of volunteering and the, the little bit of time that you put into this is, is, you know, um, repaid tenfold when what you, what you get in return. Would you, would you agree to that? Uh, yeah, absolutely. I, I, I feel like the more time and effort you can put into it and, and just for, uh, like a selfless act to kind of, you know, uh, to see, to see how it makes you feel. I, I don't feel like the people that volunteer are going to have an issue with that. I feel like if you're there to volunteer, to volunteer, uh, you know what you're there for, and, and you know what you're going to get out of it. And I feel like it's it's always rewarding. And I think with Vivian is great too because you know she's become a great tool for you to use on your appointments and to improve other people's lives and other, and other dog be, you know um, the behavior of other animals as well. I think it's just uh, awesome all around. Yeah, that, I, I didn't even think about that, and that's a that's a terrific way to kind of finish off um, uh, that topic. There was I helped Vivian, and now she's helping me, but she's also helping other people and other dogs who might be returned to the shelter. So, I mean, it's kind of this this it's coming full circle like multiple times. It, it's really really kind of a great way to to look at it. Um, was there anything else you you wanted to, to say on this topic or? I don't think so, I man. I think we pretty much covered. I think just uh, now. I really, I, I mean, just get out there, uh, see what your local shelters need. I mean, try, you know, stay local. Um, if you, if you've got the time and energy, just get out there on a nice day and get the dogs outside and and just see what they have to offer. Not only what you're offering the shelter, but you know, see what those dogs can do for you. Yeah, and like we said before, whether you're out walking the dogs or you know the the lowly um, uh, job of of cleaning the kennels or transporting or making phone calls or you know driving stuff around or or whatever. There's so much that could, that can be learned. There's a lot you, you can get out of this. And like Josh said, you know, stay local, work with local shelters. Cause a lot of these big groups, most like sometimes we're talking 90% of the money that they get in goes to advertising 
or lobbying doesn't right. go straight to the dogs. Um, so we, we really, you know, put in your time and you know what you're doing with your with your minutes and and, uh, and how they can make such a such an impact on on these guys. So um, it was great having you here, Josh. We got to do this a lot more often. Really enjoyed um, you being on the on the show with me talking about this topic. Yeah, thank you. It was my pleasure for sure. Um, so everyone, thank you very much for joining us again. Please um, please like us and subscribe to us on uh, on YouTube and uh, and review us there. That's important to us as well. Follow us on on Facebook. Um, if you have any questions, as usual, contact me at Brian at GoodDogWorkshop.com. Or call me directly at 703-489-1319. If you have any questions or suggestions for new topics, feel free to, uh, uh, to write in and, and let us know. So once again, this has been Brian and Josh with Good Talk Workshop. We appreciate you listening. Thanks, and we'll see you next time.